Welcome back to the City of Champions podcast. In today's episode, Jeannie and I discuss the Dodgers' tough trip to Wrigley, a look ahead to the series against the Angels, then we switch over to the Lakers to discuss the victory against the Nuggets, the loss to the Clippers, and a look ahead to the remainder of the season. Welcome to episode 12 of the City of Champions podcast. Welcome back. A lot to talk about, a lot of bad stuff to talk about. Boy, has it been a rough week for Lakers and Dodgers fans. Started with a trip over to Wrigley and it ended with a sad, sad, sad performance at the Staples Center by the Lakers. Which is which is still which is still ongoing, bro. Let's just keep it real. We, we stopped watching the record because that game was whack. We did. We'll be honest. Not much to watch because they're sucking right now. AD went down with back spasms, allegedly. But let's start off with the uh, the Dodgers and their tough, tough, tough and frustrating trip to Wrigley. Tell me what you uh, thought about that series, Gene. Hey, bro, my prediction was right, bro. I predicted a sweep and there we are, dog. We got swept. <laughs> I, I predicted. I thought that I really thought, I really felt that after the Brewer series, we probably found our mojo. That's how I was feeling. I, thought, I was feeling like we found our mojo. We'd go to Wrigley. We, I predicted that we would sweep, not the other way around. I didn't think that we would get swept, man. I, I just, I'm not sold on Cubs pitching. I'm still not sold on Cubs pitching. Um, I think this is more just an indication of our offense struggling and just the bullpen, just the bullpen, man. I'm sure we'll get into the bullpen and dark and just how he manages the bullpen and the lineups, man. But. Yeah, we're in a really, really tough slump, and I'll, I'll share a little more later about why I think that is. But we're in a tough position, man. But let's go game by game, bro. What were your thoughts on game one? Man, game one, I had a lot of thoughts on game one. Uh, first off, Matt Beatty not starting. After a seven RBI game, he didn't start. And what kind of nonsense is that? It's one of the things that frustrates me the most about Doc. And he doesn't have a good answer for it. That's the thing. Is he really like when they ask him the questions in like the postgame interviews, he says something like, I really like Muncie and Lux's bat in there are like, you know, Lux and Pollock's bat in there. Um, I like Beatty off the bench. I like his bat off the bat. Like, what does that even mean? I like his bat off the bench. Like that just, yeah, I don't know. That just confuses me. That he likes his bat off the bench. Is that why you use him as a decoy pinch hitter? And yeah, was that game three or game two? That was game two, but you know, game one, it started off rough. You had Kershaw, right? Who didn't necessarily have a bad inning if it wasn't for Seager's big error. It would have been end of inning, one run allowed. Instead, Kershaw ends up allowing four runs because of Seager's lazy defense. He doesn't get down. He doesn't, it doesn't even look like he makes an effort to go after the ball. Yeah, bro. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's Seager's defense is extremely frustrating right now. Everything about Seager is frustrating me right now, honestly, especially like, you know, how he went off last year in the postseason. And we're all feeling like, you know, early on, I said, like, if Seager can continue what he did last year in the postseason, what he did just really all of last year, that he would be in the, the MVP conversation. But he just, man, the bat is just not there. The defense just, like you said, it's, just, it's lazy. 
He's not getting the balls. He's not hustling to get the balls in the holes. Uh, not focusing on his throws, throwing the ball away. And yeah, that 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 was that was unfortunate for Kershaw that he was a uh, that he had to get pulled after that inning due to Seager's error. Yeah, and you know, it, it almost seemed like after that inning, after that happened, the team just gave up. A hundred percent. Doc went straight to the bullpen, which I do not get because they essentially just came off a series, or you know, not last series, but two series ago, where there were two bullpen games. The bullpen is taxed. Why go to them so early? What is the big hurry? So here, here's what it is, bro. It was the rain delay. The rain delay really threw off the rotation, right? Because we're one man down with May out. So we're going to go with the four-man rotation. So the original plan was for Bueller to go Monday, but it got rain delayed and got pushed back to Wednesday. So it was going to go Bueller Monday, which then he would have been able to go Friday uh, on what I believe would be, um, so that would have been Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So he would have gone Friday on three days rest. And then Kershaw would have then gone uh my fault no Bueller would have gone Saturday Udius has gone Friday so it would have been Udius uh Friday against the Angels Bueller Saturday Kershaw Sunday now to pushed everyone back to regular rest because they have that day off today Thursday we have a day off today but because of the rain delay they double stacked they, they had the double header um Kershaw's gonna have to go on, on, on short rest so I think Doc kind of just saw that he didn't have his best stuff in that first inning. Like you said, the game kind of got away from him. Uh, so Doc pulled him. You know, I had text you like, wait, what is going on? Why is Doc pulling him after the first? Cause I wasn't watching the game live. Uh, but after just thinking about it, I, I think he just realizes, okay, he's not having his best start. Let's save his arm because he's going to have to go on short rest anyway. So I think that was the, the thought process behind that. Yeah, but it's still no. And you're essentially telling the team that you're giving up after the first inning. After giving up four runs, which, you know, it's a lot. And it is a short game, but it's not not that much. What that says to me is you're giving up on the bats because you know they're not hitting. Game one was just, it was a throwaway game. That's what it was. So we move over to, over to game two. People are thinking, oh, there's no way he's not going to play Beatty. There's no way he's not going to put him in there. And what happens? He doesn't put Beatty in there. And it was it was more the same, right? Uh, maybe not as big of a blowout, not not a 7-1 to one loss. It was 4-3, to three, but Bauer looked... You know, he didn't give up that many runs, only gave up one run, but he looked sloppy. He just, it didn't look like he was on it. That back-to-back, it just really threw off the entire team. And the bullpen, once again, cannot hold a lead. They cannot hold a lead. We're 1-6 in six or 1-7 in seven in extra inning games this year. Are we? I was curious about that, bro. I was thinking, like, what is our record in, like, extra inning games? Because we've been playing a lot of them early on. We have, and you can tell by people's reactions on Twitter, like, we're sick of this shit, man. We have no confidence in our own team. It's It, it sucks, bro. You know what? I will say this. A positive about, like, this series sweep is that we we're playing uh, Central Time, so we didn't have to stay up super late for these, like, long-ass, ridiculous games, man. It's because you're watching them for five hours, bro, and you think, like, okay, I've been watching for five hours, five hours. Okay, nice. We took the lead right here. Okay, we got the lead now. Now, bullpen just hold. Nope, bullpen gives it back. We take the lead back. Okay, we got the lead. All right, bullpen just hold. Nope, we get we blow the game. And so it's just frustrating, man. They just keep stringing us along. It's uh, it's crazy. Uh, this game, uh, game two, man, uh, Bauer, I, I was uh, surprised with Bauer's start. I mean, he's been great, man. He's been lights out, but just not his best. I, I, I actually classified it in my notes as his worst start as a Dodger. Just the stuff, you know. I think it's his worst. Like, his numbers weren't horrible when you think about it, right? Four and a third, one run, four hits, four walks. That's a lot for him. Uh, seven Ks, he gave up that one home run on 90 pitches but it's just his stuff man the control just wasn't there of his stuff um and you know the pitches were just he just couldn't get them where he wanted them but he still competed bro i had text you man like you gotta just love you gotta love how he competes bro um 
you know, clearly, you know, you need someone with some fire, man. Two bright spots, and we've got to give these guys credit. Gonzalez and Trinan. These guys are pitching well. Gonzalez is, man, it almost seems like he should be a setup man, maybe even a closer, because... He's our best arm in the bullpen. He is our best arm, and there was an at-bat. I can't remember who he was pitching against, but he was going fastball, 95, and then changeup at 86, and just fooling guys, hitting his spots with pinpoint accuracy. Never did I expect this guy to, you know, be anything more than your regular, you know, bullpen arm. But he's proven that he he has the stuff. He has the stuff. And I think Doc should seriously consider him. Right now that Knable's out, right now that Jansen's sort of a wild card, he should consider him for the closer's role. He's been our most uh, consistent arm. Trinan has as well. Good movement on his pitches. Trinan's had some bad games, some bad innings. But for the most part, those two guys have been the bright spots in the bullpen. So we got to give it up for those two. Nothing Nothing else to really be happy about, though. the The offense is terrible. Game two, one of the, one of the and, and I missed this positive in game one. Also, um, Caber Ruiz with the pinch hit home run. I like to see the young kid come in there and and put a good bat bat together, uh, put one uh, over the fence. And in uh, game two, man, Muncie. You know, we can talk about Muncie starting to come alive in this series. He finished the series, I believe, with two home runs and a, and a double off the wall. So it's good to see kind of see him coming alive. Um, you know what's funny about the bullpen, bro, and, and Mitch White uh, giving up the home run uh, to Baez in the eighth. I, I think I'm pretty sure I was texting you, bro. And I said, I really like Mitch White in this position, man. Watch him. He's he's pretty good. I think he has this stuff to stay on the team. I text you, bro. And then he gives up the damn home run to Baez. But I, I really like Mitch White, man. I... I Maybe not 100% ready for the bigs just yet. Maybe a little bit of triple-A time to refine his pitches. But I think he has really good stuff. But yeah, just high fastball to bias. Just not the right pitch. But uh, game three, bro. Game three, we've got, you know, the bats seem to be coming alive. We've got a good outing by Bueller who had one bad pitch the entire game. But everything else was just nasty. He was nasty. He was nasty that game. He should have won that game. Should have gotten the W. But it was... Jansen, man, Jansen, it is the third time this season that Jansen blows a save in game two of a back-to-back. Don't put it on Jansen, bro. I'm not going to put this one 100% on Kenley Jansen. And and, and so let me well, hold on. Like, let's pause. Pause on Jansen for a second. Real quick, a point I want to make on Walker Bueller. His fastball was incredible, bro. Um, he was just blowing hitters away with his fastball. And that was a great bounce back start for him after his uh, poor start, I believe. His last start was against the Reds. Um, so he was actually coming off of several days rest. Pretty sure on extra rest and that bad start against the Reds. And so good to see him uh, bounce back, man. Real quick. So let's not also forget Seager's error, right? Another error by Seager. Every day, seems like we have crappy defense. And so for Jansen specifically, I first looked at his stat line and then I watched him, his inning pitch when he pitched the inning. And so you're right. He's on back-to-back days. So that always pops out in our head, right? Because he's not at his best on back-to-back days. He walks the first hitter. So runner starts on second, right? Because it's extra innings. So runner starts on second. So he has first and second right now. Error by Will Smith. Error by Will Smith, man. He, uh, he gets mixed up on a pitch and he lets it get by him in the runner's advance. So then he's he's screwed at that point. Then you have the the sack fly by Jock, right? Let's say it's runners first on second, and and uh, you know, shout out to Jock Peterson for pimping a sack fly. <laughs> the funniest uh, thing ever, man. He's not used to Wrigley, bro. He don't know about that. He don't know about that that wiggly breeze, man. That 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 Wrigley uh, breeze and and wind up high. Um, because that ball got caught in the wind for sure. 
So if Smith doesn't make that error, I'm pretty sure that puts runners at runners stay on first and second, maybe they advance second, third, or first and third. And then he got a double play right after that. So it's not just all on Jansen this one, man. Yet yeah, granted he didn't pitch his best for sure, but part of that's on Will Smith, man. It's just our defense. It's you know at a at a time when our bats are slumping, our defense also is just not. Not making things easier for us, not making it easier for our pitchers, uh, just errors, you know, just sloppiness, bad throws from the outfield, just all around, man. Bad base uh, running by by Turner. So so let's talk about that real quick. Uh, they sent Turner at home in the tent and he was clearly thrown out at home. But what did you think about, you know, the whole Buster Posey rule? Do you feel like that was a good challenge by the Dodgers? Like we should have won that challenge and the umpiring crew got it incorrect? Or did you feel like um, it was a, a good play by Contreras? Oh, he was on top of the base without the ball the entire time. So here's my thought process. I think the reason why the umpires didn't overturn it, A, is because they rarely do, and B, is because Turner was out by a mile. He wasn't going to be close to safe. But that doesn't mean that Contreras wasn't blocking the play because he was. He had his entire leg covering it. Even if it was a closer play, there was no way in hell that Turner could have slid in and gotten his hand in, made it a play. It was He was blocking it. He was blocking it, and uh, MLB either needs to get rid of the rule and let guys go back to running the catcher over, or they've got to start enforcing it. They got to start calling it because it, for sure it was a it was a block in the plate. So I disagree. I don't think he was blocking the plate the entire time. And so I read the rule just because I wanted to make sure I understood it correctly. And if I remember correctly, I read it earlier today. It said that the catcher cannot block the plate until they go to apply the tag. So essentially, like when you're receiving the ball, you have to have the runner needs to have space to slide. It has to have access to the plate as the catcher is receiving the ball. As the catcher receives the ball and goes to tag, then blocking the plate, according to the rule, if I'm understanding it correctly, seems like you could block the plate then. So this is what I was thinking. I was thinking that um, I agree with you. Baseball needs to get rid of the rule completely because it's very difficult to interpret or they need to create like a like a restricted area kind of like in basketball like a defined area where the catcher needs to receive the baseball you know how normally like uh fields have like home plate and there's like the dirt before the grass starts like that little you know that little air extra space like it should almost the rule should almost be like a catcher must receive the ball in this area they must receive the ball in this area, and after they receive it, then they can go apply the tag. Because in that way, it's a very clear, defined, clearly defined space versus like trying to interpret this rule of like, oh, was he blocking the plate or not blocking the plate? Because that, if that's the case, you have to receive it here, then it's easy to review. Did he stay in his designated space when he received the ball? And so, I don't know, that's just something I was thinking, man, because I, I agree with you. It could have gone either way. I, I don't think he necessarily was blocking the plate the whole time. And I think Seager was, I mean, uh, Turner was out, clearly out by feet. It's just the rule is too difficult to interpret. He should have gone. It's Turner. He doesn't run fast. It almost seemed like he was running in slow motion. We've taken the lead. Why send him? Extend the inning. Just real quick, bro, uh, just on, on Clevenger, man. So I was watching Clevenger pitch the, uh, the last inning. You know, he obviously blew the game, uh, took the loss, but just watching the pitch, man, just, just thinking about how crappy the, how crappy it is to start with the runner at second base. Cause he comes in, bro, strikeout, strikeout. He's looking good. Gives up a single, game's tied. 
The runner still second. He walks. Another single. Game over. Like it's just that like there's no room for error. Which I understand speeds up the game, but it just kind of sucks for our bullpen because like you've mentioned where our bullpen, you mentioned when our bullpen was still pretty healthy that our bullpen wasn't built for high leverage situations. So extra innings is always going to be tough. Dumb rule. Fire Manfred. He's ruining the game more so than Bud Selig did. He's ruining the game. This guy just doesn't know. He's out for money. He doesn't care about the game. He doesn't care about the integrity of the game. He just wants the money. He wants to, you know, increase the net worth of MLB owners. And it sucks, man, because he really has put a dent, starting with the uh, the Astros. So uh, let's close up with this real quick, bro. You put out a poll. The poll question you put out, I think you were just asking kind of who's to blame. And I don't know if you're just asking who's to blame for the series sweep or for the one game. But I want to talk about like who's to blame for where we're at right now, our recent struggles. Because I was thinking about this. When there's injuries and there's slumps and... All of this is going on. Who's to blame for the team's struggles? Who would you say, bro? Or what would you say is to blame? I would say a combination of, honestly, everything, man. Roberts, the offense, the bullpen, the defense, everyone playing garbage baseball. But I can't blame the bullpen without first blaming Roberts because he's the one who manages the bullpen. He's the one who manages who's in, who's out. And it's because of him that the bullpen is tired And what they do after that is sort of just a consequence of that. You know, it's a consequence of his decision making. So Roberts and the defense, I would say. Our starters have been pitching well. They've been, you know, keeping games close. Um, Our offense hasn't been great, but we've scored runs. It's been the bullpen and it's been Roberts, the way he's managed it. That's who I'd blame. Okay. You're saying Roberts and you're saying, uh, you know, his managing and a little bit of the bullpen. So... I was thinking about this, bro, in regards to Roberts, and I'll answer the question in a bit, but I was thinking this about uh, in regards to Dave Roberts. Is it possible that he is not, that he might not be the best manager to manage a team that's injured? Because I I just think about like last year, for example, we did amazing, but we had the DH. So there wasn't really difficult managerial decisions to be made, right? Because it was always like, I have the DH. I'm going to always be able to, you know, plug in... um, you know, plug in Will Smith to hit. He's going to always get at bat. But now since he doesn't have the DH, he has to make difficult managerial decisions and he has to manage the bullpen, like sub in, you know, pitchers and stuff like that and move guys around in the lineup. And I just feel like with the depleted roster, he's getting exposed a little bit with some of his managerial decisions. So that's how I was just thinking. Honestly, I was going to come in like super hot on Dave Roberts this episode. I was like, yo, I'm done. I'm done with Dave Roberts. You don't start Matt Beatty. But then he does start Matt Beatty and then Matt Beatty, you know, sucks it up when he starts him in game three. But I was just getting really frustrated with him. But as I had time to cool off, I asked myself, you know, because you put the poll question, I asked myself, like, really, what is like, what do I feel is to blame in all this? And I'm going to say it's injuries. I'm going to say injuries is the issue, and I'm going to blame it on injuries because a couple things. So, uh, number one, man, if you look at just with our pitching and our bullpen, if you just look the arm at the arms that are down, Price, Gonsolin, Kelly, Knable, Gratterall, right? Those are solid arms that would, are going to be in the bullpen the rest of the year moving forward if they get back healthy. So that leaves you with like Santana, Clevenger, Vesia, White, maybe even so just let's say White. So those four pitchers, bro, we're really pitching with about half of our bullpen as triple A arms. So when you think about it, like if you're Dave Roberts, bro, if Dave Roberts calls you up, says, Ayo, A-Rod, uh, come to the dugout, bro. I want you to manage this game for me. And you get into later innings and you have to manage your bullpen. Who do you really trust? 
Like, that's Dave Roberts' phone call to the bullpen every game. Who does he really trust? Probably Gonzalez. Like, who I know who I trust. I trust Gonzalez first, then Trinan. And I'm going to go with Jansen. Honestly, I don't even trust Jansen that often unless he's rested. And then from there, bro, it's a crapshoot. I mean, Alexander's been all right, but he just went on the IL. Jimmy Nelson's been inconsistent. White's been inconsistent. Vesia's young. Clevenger's been inconsistent. He's young. Santana's kind of hit or miss. So I, I feel for Roberts. Like I see how we can point the finger at him and point the finger at the bullpen. But these guys, they're supposed to be in AAA, bro. These are AAA pitchers. So our bullpen is really depleted. And it's we're out there throwing AAA arms every game. That's one. So I would put first put the blame on the injuries. And if I had to pick a second reason, I'm going to blame it on, on the offense, man. To me, it's uh, another tough question for Roberts is like, how do you manage the lineup? Like, how do you organize your your offense? Because everyone is slumping, bro. Until recently, uh, Muncy broke out. Uh, Lux has been doing a little bit better recently. But for the most part, Bet, Seager, Muncy, Taylor, Smith, Lux are all slumping. So, I mean, Pollock got hot recently, but he didn't really do much during the Cup Series. So you got Turner. That's it. Uh, Beatty had a couple good games. So I don't know. It's just, uh, it's hard for me to blame it on Roberts because it's like, I just feel like there's too many holes, man. There's too many holes in our team right now. Too many people slumping, too many bullpen arms that shouldn't be in, in the majors. Uh, and Roberts is trying to do his best to manage that, man. So I'm going to wait to criticize Robert, you know, to go in on Roberts. I'm going to wait till the team is fully healthy and then see where we go from there. Because when we were fully healthy, we were the best team in baseball. Makes you think of uh, Freeman is... There may be some blame to go around with him. Uh, he is known for signing injury-prone players to try to get you know the best value out of them as he uh, can. Is this another case of that? I think that's a valid question, bro. Should there be some blame directed at Friedman? So let's say Bellinger comes back. That pushes Taylor to the bench probably or Lux to the bench. And let's say McKinstry comes back. So he's on the bench. But there is some questions about like, why don't we have some veteran bats on our bench? Why don't we have a Chase Utley? Why don't we have a David Freeze? Why don't you have that good like veteran leader on on the bench, keeping the guys ready in the young guys ears, talking, hitting a guy who can come off the bench and put together a professional at bat. You got these young guys like I don't know if you saw Sheldon Noisy swing the other day, bro. Oof, uh, oof. Oh, you, you saw it, right? Oh, bad boy. That was that was bad. <laughs> against I believe it was against Kimbrough, bro. Um, if, I, if I remember correctly, he like that was horrible. Honestly, like that's what I would look like in the majors. And I'm trash. And that's what I would look like. So that is, yeah, that that's rough for, um, you know, this is one of the guys off our bench. You know, you got him swinging five feet off the ball. You got Rios, who we've given up on. You had Peters up that clearly showed us he wasn't a big league player. You have Rayleigh, who I could care less about. And so it's just Robert's options are limited, man. That's true. We never replaced Kike. We never replaced uh, Jock. McKinstry did a great job. He was doing great while he was up. But that's what I'm saying is like our depth is not there. You know, in the past, we had multiple good bench players. You had Taylor, Geeky, Jock. You had three veteran bench pieces all ready to go off the bench. You don't have that anymore. It's all rookies. It is all rookies. All rookies, inexperienced players, injury prone players. So it's, it's kind of hard, right? You think of, okay, well, can we make a move? Can we acquire maybe an arm and a, and a veteran bat? But it seems like we're too good and we're too deep for that to even be in the conversation. And that's what makes it even more frustrating because there's so, the expectations are so high for this team. Everyone, man, everyone, one through nine, just not playing well. But, you know, we'll see what happens in the next series. Uh, we've got the Angels coming up this weekend. They just uh, dropped uh, 
Pujols, which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that was a big surprise, bro. That that shook up the baseball world for sure. So who knows what'll happen with that? But um, what do you think? And what what's your, what's your prediction uh, for this Angel series, man? We're coming off the sweep. What do you think? Oof. Guys just had a day off, shook it off. They flew back. Um, they'll be at Anaheim, so they'll be playing at you know Anaheim. Uh, in Anaheim, but you know they'll still be able to go home, sleep in their beds, and everything, be with their families. Um, so, how are you feeling about this series, man? Three game set. Not worried at all. Udias against Griffin Canning. Never heard of the guy. Never seen him pitch. He's not doing well. He's got a six two ERA. And I think Saturday. I think Saturday we got. Um, I think that's supposed to be Kershaw on three days rest. Kershaw Saturday against Dylan Bundy, or else a bullpen game. And then that would mean Bauer going Sunday on regular rest. They have Kershaw going on Sunday. Is that what you see right now? Kershaw yeah, going Sunday? Against, against Quintana. And okay. they've got undecided on uh, on uh, Saturday. But, I mean, I don't consider Kershaw's last start a start. So I'm sure he can go Saturday. It's going to be uh, interesting. I'm not really too worried about the the Angels, man. I'm not worried. Uh, Quintana's not doing well. Their, their pitching's not doing well. Um, so... All right, what's your prediction, bro? Stop dodging the question. What's your prediction? I want to say we're going to win two out of three. You don't believe that. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, but you I don't to, believe but I, you, but I want to believe that. What do you really think, bro? Come on, be honest. Stop sugarcoating it. Right now, you're letting your hate for the Angels and your bias towards the Angels inform your decision. Just tell me what you really think is going to happen, how you really feel about the Dodgers at this moment. Man, this is true. I grew up around Angels fans, and oh boy, did I ever get in fights. Um, can't stand those guys at all. Uh, I'm going to say 2-1. So real quick about you fighting Angel fans, I got a story. So bro, remember that one time we went to an Angels Dodger game at uh, Angel Stadium and you came with my family? Yeah. <laughs> and you were talking all that shit to the Angel fans because you were hella like faded. You were talking all that shit to the Angel fans. Mad shit. I, I remember my mom talking to me in Spanish. She goes, tell your friend to shut up. He's going to get us in trouble. He's going to get in a fight. My mom was so scared for you, bro. But my prediction is Angels 2-1, bro. Uh, we're just in a tough, I think we're in a tough position, man. I, I think we're going to keep spiraling. So I got the Angels winning the series 2-1. Even with good, you know, even with our good pitching, man. You know, with uh, Trout and Otani. And so, what's his name? What's his name's on the IL, right? Um, Rendon's on the IL, right? I believe so, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's still hurt. This is the series to turn it around. So let's hope, uh, let's hope for the best. And, uh, I want to say let's go from a bad topic to a good topic, but we're going from a bad topic to probably an even worse topic with the Lakers. All right, City of Champions podcast listeners, it's time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers who started off, um, with, uh, with a really good win against the Nuggets. Uh, in the last pod, I predicted that we would go 0-2, but we did split 1-1. A great game against the Nuggets. Definitely something that had Laker fans hyped. Uh, gave us hope. Uh, lit that fire again in us. Uh, AD said, we're back. I'm back. And then we played the Clippers. And it was so bad that I text Edgar uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I said, bro, let's just record because this game is trash. I'm pretty sure it's over. And it's over now. It didn't get any better since we stopped stopped watching, so we didn't miss much. But uh, Edgar, um, we had this this big game against the Nuggets. Uh, Braun was out uh, with ankle soreness. Seems like he's going to be out for a couple games. Schroeder still out in COVID protocol, uh, and we pull out a win, man. I really didn't think that was going to happen, but we pulled out a win. We won that game ninety three to eighty nine. So you tell me what you saw in that Nuggets game. What stood out to you? 
So what stood out to me is Gasol needs more minutes. Drummond is playing with very low confidence. He doesn't look like the player he looked like when we first acquired him. And I don't know if that's because he was going up against Jokic, who makes any center look silly, really, because he's so good. Such a great passer. But he had zero rebounds, right? Zero rebounds the entire game. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about Drummond. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, if there was a bright spot is that you finally saw the fight in the Lakers that you saw last year in the playoffs, especially out of AD. He made some really uh, clutch shots towards the end of the game. Um, so I was really happy to see that. I didn't expect this win, man. I didn't expect this win. I think Gasol being in there really helped us, uh, you know, move the ball around and get us the shots we needed to to, you know, put the game away or at least keep it close enough to where AD can make a key shot towards the end. So that's what I saw during that game. I saw the fight that we needed to, you know, see out of them. I saw life. I saw that we weren't completely down and out, which is encouraging. I mean, outside of that, especially going into today's game, there wasn't uh, much else. LeBron's still out. So I can't really use that to gauge if we're, we're ready or if it was just a lucky game per se. What were your thoughts? So you, you hit a lot of my thoughts, bro. Um, and I want to talk a little bit. Of, so the first thing that stood out to me is kind of what you said. Energy, focus, urgency, just we, we turned it up. And you saw that very early on and really on the defensive end. I mean, think about it. We held the Nuggets who have a great offense to 89 points. I definitely saw that. You talked about Marcus All. And so before, these are just my raw notes, man. You see my notes. I take notes every game. I just type in my notes. So these are two notes I have in my just raw notes. I didn't edit anything. Quarter one, this is my note. Jokic giving Drummond the work. That's my first note on our centers. My second note, I bring up on our next center, Montrez Harrell. I said, McGee giving Harrell a difficult time. I think McGee had like eight points in the second quarter. So I'm like, JaVale McGee, bro. How are you not going to be able to guard JaVale McGee? And then my next note is Drummond picks up his fourth foul with two minutes left in the second quarter. Gasol checks in. And then my next note on Gasol is that he brought energy, he brought spacing, more passing on offense. The same things I say about him all the time. He brings energy, he brings spacing, the ball moves. And so we end up going up three at the half. And AD uh, was very aggressive. Uh, He did a a great job. So one thing uh, about AD that when I know AD is locked in is AD gets to the rim. He attacks the basket, and that's one of my notes that I put in right there. AD's uh, carrying the offense. He's being aggressive. He's getting to the rim. Third quarter, Nuggets start off the third quarter really well, and Vogel calls that timeout. Then Caruso, after the timeout, Caruso comes out, and he's aggressive. I think he had like seven straight points or something like that. But then again, my other point on our next, our center again, Drummond, struggling to guard Jokic. Foul trouble. Gasol enters the game, starts hitting threes. The Lakers go on an 11-2 run. But then AD goes to the bench and the Nuggets make a run. Now in the fourth quarter, we start with our second unit. And I put down Gasol. He's organizing the second unit. They're hooping. They're up. Lakers are up 13. Nuggets take a timeout with nine minutes left. I also, uh, something that stood out to me was Wes Matthews getting playing time and hitting some threes because he hasn't really been playing. So shout out to Wes Matthews for staying ready. AD comes back around the seven minute mark. We push the lead to 14 with, with about a little bit less than six minutes to go. The Nuggets take a timeout, but then after they time their, their timeout, they start just hitting shots. Uh, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., uh, the two of them bring the Nuggets back. So the last three minutes is a four point game and Vogel makes a substitution. Who does he remove? He removes Drummond. So it's clearly telling me that there's 
And Harold wasn't even thought about at this point. And so, um, like you said, Davis hit some clutch shots. THT with a horrible shot at the end, but he gets the putback. That was a horrible shot. At the buzzer. Yeah. And I kind of broke down. I broke down Denver's last offensive possession because I think to a casual NBA fan, there's a lot of really good defensive things that were probably missed. And so uh, the Nuggets play. They inbounded into Jokic. He dribbles to the left. The left wing, he's going dribble handoff, but he fakes the dribble handoff. Gasol and KCP both chase Michael Porter Jr., who the fake went to. So Jokic completely, completely fools two defenders. He's open, but Caruso with a huge and amazing closeout on Jokic towards the top of the key. Closeout, chops his steps down, closes out on him. So that removes Caruso off his defense, uh, off his uh, offensive player. He's defending AD with a huge closeout to go pick up his guy. AD, when that pass was made, AD was in the paint, bro, and he closes out all the way to the three-point line with a huge block. Great defensive effort by Caruso. Great defensive effort by AD on that last possession. Lakers go home with the win. And um, just some stats that I, that, I that, that stuck out to me are shooting 43% from the three-point line. Anytime we shoot high 30s to low 40s in the three-point line, we're, we're in the game for the most part. Uh, AD with three blocks. Uh, Gasol, 17 minutes, 10-7, three three-pointers, 10-7, three three-pointers, a plus 17. Uh, our defense against the Nuggets shooting, the Nuggets only shot 25% from the three-point line. And you said Andre Drummond, bro, zero rebounds, five fouls. Andre Drummond cannot keep up with the top centers in the league. He can't. And I talked about this since we picked Drummond up, where he shows out, he'll have a big game against a team with a weak interior defense. Uh, For example, the Brooklyn Nets. Remember the Brooklyn Nets were all like, oh, Andre Drummond, he's arrived. He's punking everyone. Yada, yada, yada. Then we played the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau, he he struggled. Uh, He struggled against the Jazz, Rudy Gobert. He has struggled against, uh, I remember him struggling against the uh, Charlotte Bobcats with Bismarck, Bismarck Biombo. Struggled against Jokic yesterday. So I'm going to tell you like this, man. When the games start getting tight and the games start getting close, AD will more than likely be at the five. But if we need a center, it won't be Drummond and it won't be Harrell. It'll be Marc Gasol. He didn't get too many minutes today against the Clippers. And, you know, you had posted free Marc Gasol. But it's just, uh, I mean, this game got out of hand so quick. It didn't even matter if he was in the game. So those are kind of my thoughts on, on that game, man. Anything else you had? Uh, anything else you have against for this game against the Nuggets? I have nothing left to say about this game. I have nothing to say about the Clippers game. To be honest, I sort of just want to skip over that and uh, go straight into the playoff picture. Right, right now we're tied with the Blazers for the sixth spot. The tiebreaker is currently up for grabs. Both teams being one-one. Tomorrow's game will decide that tiebreaker. Right, whoever wins takes the tiebreaker. So. THT is out with a grade one, I think, calf strain, which is not yeah, good Yeah, bro. It, it's, it's injuries, man. Like tomorrow we, I mean, because AD went out today, he tweaked his ankle, but they said he didn't return because of back spasm. So the question is, does AD play tomorrow? I think he does. I think, you know, I think Vogel, I think the coaching staff saw that this game was not going to go well. The Clippers came out playing for like a championship. The You know, they always do against the Lakers. So why risk AD this game when you've got a bigger game, frankly, tomorrow, right? Winning today doesn't really do much. It's tomorrow, right? Because tomorrow is a tiebreaker. So hypothetically speaking, let's say that we've somehow won today's game, but then lost tomorrow. That loss tomorrow has more weight than a win today. 
because of that tiebreaker. Well, y- so yes. I'm not mad at it. Yes and no, bro. Yes and no. So yes, in the sense of if we tie with the Blazers, but no, in the sense of if we just keep a distance. But I hear you. If we beat the Blazers tomorrow, that that's gonna that's gonna help us out a lot. That that will definitely help us a lot. I hear what you're saying, man. That's it. It's essentially a two game lead, right? Because tie or one game up, you still take the sixth seed. But if you end up with a tie and they, you know, won tomorrow, then that knocks us into the seventh spot. So winning tomorrow is essentially a two-game lead. I'm not mad at it. I think the back spasms was just an excuse, um, you know, sort of to not put him back out there. Maybe the ankle, you know, the ankle tw- uh, twist was, um, though though insignificant, maybe it was something that, like, hurt Davis. So why risk putting him back out there to keep injuring it or puts, you know, more strain on it? There's no point. THT is out, LeBron's out, Schroeder's out. So I, I think I really think it was a throwaway game. Um, I think he will play against the Blazers. That's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, man. Um, well, I hope he plays. I hope AD's good to go. We know he'll be out THT. We know they already said Braun more than likely is going to miss the game tomorrow uh, as well. So let's just start off with that game, bro. Portland. What is your prediction for the Portland game? Let's say AD plays, but we're still down Schroeder. And we're still down uh, Braun, and we're still down THT. Do you feel like we can get that win? Oh, boy. We have no playmakers. Um, I think it comes down to Vogel's rotation. Portland is hot. They've won five out of the last six. Um, have they really? They've won five out of the last six? Yeah, five out of that. They uh, beat Indiana, Memphis, Brooklyn, Boston, lost to Atlanta, and beat Cleveland. So not not the toughest opponents, but still some you know pretty decent opponents. Um They've got a tough schedule ahead. Utah, Phoenix, Denver to end the season. And then San Antonio who's fighting for that last playoff spot. So they're going to be a tough yeah. matchup. So in, in regards to tough schedule, bro. So check it. As far as the teams that are in the playoff hunt in the Western Conference, the toughest schedules is Blazers first, us second. So, you know, with them right behind us and us, basically we're tied. So we're, we're even. You're right. This tiebreaker might be huge, bro, because we both have tough schedules moving forward. So if we both end up, you know, uh, let's say we have, I think like seven games, six games after we play each other. If we both go three and three, but we own the tiebreaker, then we're good. 7 p.m. game on ESPN. Huge game. Cause after that, we've got Phoenix and then we've got New York. Two really, really tough games. Right now, the biggest thing is let's get healthy. I don't care if LeBron doesn't play. I don't care if, well, I mean, Schroeder's fine, but I- I'm really curious to see where THT will be because, uh, I don't know how bad a grade one calf strain is, but I know a strain is bad. So we need THC to be healthy. He's been so, uh, so good for us. He's, you know, sort of been the unexpected surprise. Um, and we need him to, to come back. Yeah. I hear you, man. Um, so I, uh, I think we could beat Portland, man. Portland has, uh, one of the, the worst, if not one of the worst, uh, defenses in the league. So I think that's going to help our offense. It's just a matter of, Will our defense show up to contain Dame and uh, McCullum? That's going to be really huge. So uh, going to definitely need AD for support with that. I don't think we're going to catch Dallas for this, uh, the fifth seed, man. Dallas has just been hooping. They're 8-2 eight and, eight, eight and in their last 10. And their next two games are against the Cavs. So they're probably guaranteed wins. So I don't think we're going to catch Dallas, man. So I think Dallas is locked into the fifth seed. So here's the thing, man, I'm thinking about is if we're going to end up being at six or seven seed, that's where we're going to end up. We're going to be six or seven. I've already, that's locked in my mind. We're going to be six or seven. Do you think, bro, do you think that we possibly see um, uh, Phoenix or or maybe like, you know, the Clippers and, uh, and Denver try to almost tank 
so that they don't have to play us if we end up as a six seed. That means Phoenix would have to keep winning. But do you see that maybe the Clippers or Denver, like one of them trying to drop to four on purpose to to avoid us? I don't know, man. It's it's going to be really interesting just because it's it's this plane is really throwing a wrench in things. I don't know if anyone anyone wants to play the Warriors. That's sort of like the, the you know the series you want to you want to avoid because a hot Steph is a hot Steph and a hot Steph can, you know can't be stopped. Yeah, man. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It definitely is going to be interesting, man. It's just something we got to watch. Um, but I don't think the Clippers are going to try to tank, bro. I think the Clippers are going to try to go for that three seed because um, they were beating us by 20 points. But midway through the fourth, Kawhi and Paul George were still in the game. But Vogel had emptied the bench for the most part. But I saw still a lot of Clippers starters in the game. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so I don't know if they're trying to send a message to the Lakers like that they don't mind seeing us in the first round. Yeah, so I think we will probably finish as the sixth seed, which means our, our opponent will probably be the Clippers or Denver. And you got to wonder, do the Clippers want to play us or do we want to play Dallas in the first round after what Doncha did to them last year? Right, right, right. And looking at their schedule, it's pretty easy. They, they've, it's, they have an easy schedule. So, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I really do not know how anyone really wants to play this. Yeah, man, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting because you know just looking at like so the last week of the season, there's some interesting games to keep an eye on, man. Some really interesting games. Uh, Jazz Warriors. Um, do the Jazz like tank that game because they already have the one seed locked in or something, or do they go super hard because they don't want to see Steph in the first round for four games or more? Then you have the next game or the the next set of games. You have um, uh, Sun Warriors. So similarly, do the do the Suns go super hard against the Warriors because they don't want to see Steph in like in the first round as a potential seven eight seed, and then the the last Wednesday games you have um, Blazers Jazz. So do the Jazz let the or do the Jazz go super hard on the Blazers to keep them in that seven eight seed or in that seven seed? So they play they have to play them and not the Lakers. Then you got. Then you got to hold up, bro. You got, you got Thursday, you got again, Blazers, Suns. So it's, it's interesting, man. There's definitely some opportunities for teams to kind of tank and manipulate the, um, manipulate the standings by tanking. Yeah, man. So he, here, he, I mean, here's what it comes down to, right? Do the first three seats in the West want to play either the Lakers, the Blazers or the Warriors? And, uh, probably not, right? Just because you've got to deal with LeBron and AD, Dame and McCollum. Or Steph Curry, who's been hot. And I don't think, quite frankly, any of those teams want to deal with that. So how they play it is going to be really interesting. I think the Nuggets right now are lucking out. Having to play the uh, the Mavericks, I think they're going to dispose of the Mavericks pretty easily. Yeah, man, it's going to be super interesting. Yeah, man. And like you had mentioned that last game of the season, uh, uh, Nuggets-Blazers. So what if the Nuggets are in the three seed? And the Blazers are tied with the Lakers, uh, for the, you know, or real close with Lakers for the six seeds. They do they tank and just let the, and let the, uh, the Blazers get that six seed so that hopefully the Lakers fall to the seven. So very interesting, man. You're going to just see, I'm just curious to see if we're going to see outright teams just trying to avoid the Lakers. And I think we will. I think we'll te- see teams outright try to avoid the Lakers in the first round. So if that means uh, letting the Lakers win, if that means going super hard against other teams like the Blazers to keep them in that that seven hole. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, man. So uh, that kind of that wraps it up for us, man. Uh, not too much to talk about in regards to that Clippers game. But uh, thank you all for tuning in and showing support and love and, and rocking with us. We appreciate it. Make sure you give us a follow at tw- uh, on Twitter at underscore City of Champs. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Pod. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, drop a five star review to show us some love. Uh, you know, keep rocking with us on Twitter. Keep an eye out for our merch. Um, you know, Edgar here just continues, uh, continuously working to put out some dope products, man. So show some love, some, uh, uh, show some support. Uh, we're at www.cityofchips, right? That's right, Edgar, right? City of Chips? City of Chips, that's right. Cityofchips.com. Check it out, y'all. We appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. Peace.